It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The New Orleans Saints may have found a familiar formula to close out the season, a change in the run game that's producing some winning results, and the defensive player that head coach Sean Payton himself said was a fantastic decision to retain this offseason and his impact so far. We've got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is our Analytics Tuesday as well as our Takeaway Tuesday episode. So we're going to go through three big takeaways from Sunday's win up against the New York Giants and Use the analytics to provide some context. Let's get to takeaway number one on today's show. The New Orleans Saints may have found a new formula to wrap up the season, changing their offense a little bit, and it worked. So let's talk about what the changes were that they made. And we actually kind of previewed this a little bit in our uh, Friday episode where we built a game plan for the Saints going up against the Jets. We'll do that again this weekend or this week on Friday, building a game plan to beat the Bucs. Because we ended up hitting something, kind of a a nail right on the head here. And we talked about reducing the, first of all, amount of passes, but also the depth of passes in this game. And and that has to do with a lot of different factors, right? First of all, Taysom Hill's never really been a reliable player or quarterback in terms of pushing the ball down the field, lots of stuff coming up short, kind of getting laid up, things like that. But also, you're also dealing with the finger injury, the cold weather, the splint on the finger. So that's only maximizing those same types of issues. So instead of going with those sort of low percentage deep balls, go with high percentage passes close to the line of scrimmage. We predicted that a lot of this offense would be condensed, operating within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly what happened for the New Orleans Saints and Taysom Hill in this one. And it worked extremely well. And Taysom did extremely well under these circumstances and under these parameters as well, kind of operating as a bit of a game manager, if you will, when it came to the passing game. Only three passes in this game went beyond 10 yards in terms of air yards from the line of scrimmage, and none of them over 20 yards. That is good news for the New Orleans Saints and even better news for Taysom Hill, who completed 12 of 14 passes over 71% for 131 yards. That's of his 175 total by throwing passes between zero to nine yards from the line of scrimmage. I had a couple of passes behind the line of scrimmage as well, but that hot spot between the line of scrimmage and nine yards downfield, so between the sticks effectively, 
that ended up being a really, really good spot for him. 66% of his passes ended up going there. He threw two to the left side within that sort of range for 34 yards, five to the right side for 29 yards, and seven of those passes went into the middle of the field, zero to nine yards downfield for 70 receiving yards. That was the hot spot for him, and it worked extremely, extremely well. Now, what does this do, right? How does this help the New Orleans Saints? Well, it controls and mitigates and erases any potential errors. Again, these are high percentage throws over the middle of the field. Taysom Hill in this game, only one turnover-worthy throw here. You'll take that. And the fact of the matter is that he had three of them last week up against the uh, the Dallas Cowboys, and in addition to four interceptions in that game. And now not all of those interceptions came on targets that were downfield, but you saw Taysom make some nice adjustments. The screen pass to Tony Jones Jr., nice touch on that. So you also saw Taysom make some nice strides in this game as well, and I don't want to you know, not pay attention to that. Week 13, here's what you ended up seeing from Taysom Hill back up against the Dallas Cowboys. 14 passes of 10 plus yards downfield, six of those going for 20 plus yards through the air. He had three of those passes only completed. Three of those passes went for interceptions, and then one of them was dropped. So you see the variance that comes in the passing game. And this is all across the NFL. This isn't specific to any one player or any one situation or any one system. The passing game is high variance. You have every opportunity to take the top off of a defense, but you also have just as many opportunities to throw interceptions. You saw that in the Monday night football game up against between the Arizona Cardinals and the uh, Los Angeles Rams, Kyler Murray. High variance in terms of what happened in that game. High percentage throws even that ended up biting him in the butt because he didn't get enough air under passes, things like that. So those types of situations you avoid when you condense the offense a little bit and run sort of this run heavy, run first scheme that worked really well for the New Orleans Saints. Now, the one downside to all of this is that for two more games, the player that has been most effective for you in that range, either at the line of scrimmage or nine yards downfield, is going to be still serving his suspension, and that's Deontay Harris. Between zero to nine yards so far this season, uh, the Deontay Harris has caught 22 of his 32 targets for 255 yards and added a touchdown there, including a big breakaway 70-yard touchdown up against the uh, Dallas Cowboys. So you would like to have that production there while you're making this adjustment. But where do the Saints go when they, while they don't have Deontay Harris, who's still suspended for two more games? Well, it's great to have Alvin Kamara back. Maybe you'll see some more option routes, more angle routes, things like that, that take him to the middle of the field and in that area, as opposed to outlets and flats, which is what you mostly saw as he and Taysom Hill are starting to build their chemistry together, playing together for the first time this season up against the Jets. But Alvin Kamara caught four passes in that range for 25 yards and also uh, converted a first down that way. Another player to watch in this area is going to be Nick Vanette, who I still think is going to be tight end one, even if Adam Troutman does make his way back to the field. Nick Vanette, two catches on three targets in this area for 26 yards and a first down. And unsurprisingly, another player that ended up contributing there on Sunday and will continue to contribute there is wide receiver Traquan Smith. This is the area of the field where they really love to utilize him because of how physical he can be because of the fact that he makes these contested catches, that he could take a hit and, you know, make these catches in traffic. He's always done a good job at that. Three targets, three catches, 33 yards, two first downs, and a 112.5 passer rating when targeted in that area. And that's exactly what Taysom Hill is going to need here. The run game, as well as what you're seeing from this team in the passing game, 
bringing this offense a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, I think that it's going to help in terms of mitigating the turnovers, mitigating the mistakes, and eliminating any of those interceptions or any weirdness that can happen, and putting the New Orleans Saints back in control of their own destiny in games, right? Because the fact that they then get to the point to where they're chewing clock, they're managing the clock, they're dominating time of possession, which you saw up against the New York Jets, that's the type of stuff they're going to need to do in order to win throughout the rest of the season. And of course, that means not only does the passing game have to be popping, but you also have to be very productive in the run game and on the ground. And Taysom Hill absolutely helps you there, as does Alvin Kamara. And that's what we're going to take a look at coming up next. Uh, Run game coordinator and tight end coach Dan Roshar mentioned a little bit on his WWL radio interview about sort of what the New Orleans Saints new formula is and what they expect to do throughout the rest of the season. And a lot of what we just talked about goes hand in hand with the run heavy approach that it sounds like the New Orleans Saints are really embracing. So we'll talk about that and how it gets even better moving forward as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. When Taysom Hill is on the field, you know that one of the New Orleans Saints favorite play calls is QB power. And I want to talk to you a little bit about power because our friends over at Boost Mobile want to put power in your hands. You listen to podcasts like these for the power of the inside track, and you switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you can get the power of a free 5G phone so that you can listen to all the latest episodes of Locked on Saints and keep up with your favorite players and teams as well. All with the power of three unlimited data lines for just 30 bucks a month per line so that you and your family can share all of those insights and the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so that you can do it all at the speed of 5G. So with all that money that you'll save and with all that edge that you're going to gain, just how powerful will you be? Switch to Boost Mobile today and find out. And you'll get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. And we just keep creeping closer and closer and closer to Super Bowl 56, just under 100 days away in Los Angeles, California. So I want to tell you about our friends over at On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, because they have some incredible deals. It's the one and only place that you can go to score a once in a lifetime Super Bowl ticket and entertainment package. They have some really cool stuff over on the website, starting with the fact that you get to select your own seats to the Super Bowl. It's pretty incredible. Sometimes you get these packages and they end up sticking you somewhere with obstructed views or you're up too high, all these other things. Nope. You get to pick your seat and sit where you picked, which is, of course, key as well. So you get that Super Bowl ticket, but then you also get a chance at a bunch of elite experiences that you can choose from as well, featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends. You get to hang out in L.A. hotels and enjoy food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Sounds too good to be true, but it isn't. You can find all of the information that you need over at onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information, or you can search Super Bowl on location. Once again, that's on location, exp.com slash SB56, or search Super Bowl on location. All 
right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks once again for making us your first listen of the day. So grateful to be a part of your routine if you are a returning listener or viewer. But if it's your first time catching the show, thank you so much for being here. Hope you're liking what you're getting so far and that you'll consider subscribing and following along so you can keep up with all of the new content every Monday through Friday and sometimes over the weekends as well. If there's enough news to cover, we're always trying to make sure you have everything you need here at Locked on Saints. All right, so I want to dive into our second takeaway here, and it's that the New Orleans Saints changed a little something about their run game, and it yielded some winning results. Before we break down exactly what they changed, let's get a little bit of additional context because we want to hear real quick from run game coordinator and tight end coach Dan Roshar, who spoke on WWL Radio about sort of what the New Orleans Saints found and what it means for them moving forward. You know, Coach, Coach is so aware of what he wants to do in, in situations on third down. And if, if, it's, if it's three and it's four and you're in a manageable third and three, third and four, that's much different than third and 11. And I think uh, that was kind of the game plan going in. And we were able to stay in that game plan and stay with it. And uh, yet Taysom was extremely efficient when he did throw the ball. So, you know, that, I think that's got to be our formula going forward as we go. We've got to be able to run the football. Uh, very effectively and then create play actions and opportunities off of that. So the New Orleans Saints coaching staff obviously very pleased out of what they got from Alvin Kamara and this New Orleans Saints run game. You heard a lot of credit uh, in this interview with Dan Rochard joining Mike Haas as well as Bobby Bear over at WWL Radio on Monday. Heard a lot of compliments about the tight ends that got in there. First team, first time players like Ethan Wolf who got eight snaps in this game performed well as a blocker, was actually one of the blockers in on Alvin Kamara's touchdown, for instance. And then, you know, a couple of the other things that ended up really working out. But the Saints did some really interesting things in the run game that they don't do very often. Um, the, the Saints ran a lot more man blocking scheme in this game than zone blocking scheme. And that's really out of the ordinary for them. So even though they went back to something a little bit familiar in terms of what we saw at the beginning of the season, there's just enough different about it that we should highlight it because it's probably going to come up because these types of things don't happen unintentionally in a New Orleans Saints offense. These usually happen very much with intention. So either they simply felt like the guys on their offensive line were better than the guys on the Jets defensive line, or the Saints are really switching what it is that they're doing on the ground to mix something up, even though they're going back to a little bit of that complimentary style that they played early on in the season, which was run game heavy and then defensive focus on the other side. So let's talk a little bit before we continue on here to just kind of define our terms. We'll talk about zone blocking scheme. We'll talk about man blocking scheme, which sometimes is also called gap scheme. We're going to stick with man and zone because they're a little bit more familiar. But remember, we're talking about the run game here. So in terms of the man blocking scheme, it's simple. You as an offensive lineman are blocking the guy that's in front of you. So if you're a a guard, you're probably blocking the tackle that's in front of you. If you're a tackle, you're probably blocking the edge rusher that's in front of you, so on and so forth. Pretty simple. Hat on hat. And the idea and one of the reasons why they also call it gap scheme is because you're trying to open up one gap for a running back to go through. Now, that doesn't mean that the running back can't create on their own and bend it back and do some creative things to be able to pick up some extra yardage or something like that if that gap doesn't open up or if they don't have an opportunity there. But The intent is open up a gap, let the running back run through. When it comes to the zone blocking scheme, which is what we're used to seeing the New Orleans Saints do, they shifted heavily to this back in 2017 after they drafted Alvin Kamara and learned what they really got in him. They ended up sort of moving to that scheme. And what that ended up doing for them is that 
with a zone blocking scheme, you're trying to open up several different spaces. You basically give the running back the option to be able to bang right up the middle or bounce outside or bend back and go back the opposite way, depending upon that running back's vision, trust in the offense, and then you know, sort of seeing what's developing in front of them. In those situations, the offensive linemen aren't necessarily blocking the guy that's right in front of them. They're blocking a gap instead. So they might move to the second level based upon what the defensive lineman is. And they're looking at blocking where a space effectively and getting to an area and creating a hole in that area and then allowing the running back to be able to pick and choose where they want to go from there. So it's slightly different, but also very different. And you have to play it differently as a defense, right? You have to be aware of what the Saints like to do and then be able to adjust when the Saints aren't doing that thing and they're doing something else and they're doing it very efficiently because that's what the New Orleans Saints did in this game. They switched up their entire run style and did so with winning results. So in this game, the New Orleans Saints as a team ran 44 times. Now, the math is going to be a little bit off here, but remember some of these runs were also scrambles and other types of runs that don't necessarily fall under man blocking or zone blocking. But for those that did fall under those two categories, we saw 25 runs under man blocking, 12 in zone blocking. Now, this isn't the first time that the New Orleans Saints have run more man than they've run zone in terms of their running plays in this uh, this season. They actually did it last week as well up against the Dallas Cowboys when Mark Ingram was the lead back with Alvin Kamara out, which isn't surprising, right? You're going to run more man blocking schemes with Mark Ingram, although man block, excuse me, although Mark Ingram does play well in those zone blocking schemes as well. But for Alvin Kamara, who is usually very heavily running in those, this was a bit of a stark contrast what we're used to seeing from him. Out of his 27 carries, remember he had a career or tied his career high with 31 touches in this one. Out of his 27 carries, he had uh, 16 of them were considered man blocking schemes. Eight of them were considered zone blocking schemes. Three of them were considered other. This is the first time all season that Alvin Kamara has run more times under a man blocking scheme than a zone blocking scheme. And he still ran for 120 yards and 78 of those coming after contact. So he had absolutely no problem running right up the middle. And in fact, he got most of his rushing yards in between the tackles, unsurprisingly, and was very, very impactful and effective between Calvin Throckmorton at left guard and Teron Armstead at left tackle, as well as on the outside around the right tackle. So for Alvin Kamara, this is something that we don't usually see from him or see him asked to do, but he was able to do it excellently, which again, surprise, surprise. Now, the other piece of this to consider is that this was a huge contrast for the team altogether. I mean, before week 14, Alvin Kamara's run distribution was 70% zone run. In this game, it was 60% man run. So now why is this important and what does this mean? Well, looking up ahead to the next opponent, which will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay has allowed over 120 rushing yards four times so far this season. Two of those times were up against teams that ran heavily man schemes and actually includes the New Orleans Saints. Remember, in that game, Alvin Kamara ran more zone than man schemes, but as a whole, the Saints offense ran more man than zone. They ran for over 150 yards in that game. When you look at the Buffalo Bills, who also ran for over 120 yards just this past weekend, you saw most of their runs either coming in man blocking schemes or scrambles by Josh Hill, which is good news. Josh Hill, goodness. <laughs> I mixed up all of my quarterbacks there. And I also brought us back to Josh Hill. Shout out Josh Hill. Uh, Josh Allen, who ran for you know, over 100 yards. So that's good news for Taysom Hill, who of course would be looking to scramble and get outside of the pocket and 
you know, continue to extend plays the way that he did up against the New York Jets going up against Tampa Bay Buccaneers next week. Let's take it a step further. What about the teams that they held to the least amount of rushing yards? Well, all four, or excuse me, out of the five teams that they held to the least amount of rushing yards so far this season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, four of those teams ran heavily zone blocking schemes. So this could match up pretty well for the New Orleans Saints. Now that they're getting sort of this new but familiar look at how they can produce on the ground, plus the potential of getting Mark Ingram back next week, hopefully getting Ryan Ramchek back sooner rather than later, that's good news for the New Orleans Saints because they're getting something that they're familiar with in terms of their complementary play style, but they're giving you something just a little bit different enough to keep you on the edge of your seat and make you prepare for something else as a defense. And then, of course, all this is going to come down to the defensive play as well to help them in terms of that complementary style. And Sean Payton also joined uh, Bobby Bear and Mike Haas over at WWL Radio and spoke specifically about one Saints defender that he called a fantastic decision to retain over the course of the offseason. We'll talk about who that player is, their impact on the defense, and how the defense performed this week up against the New York Jets and what it means to them moving forward as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. And as Dan Roshar, Sean Payton, Alvin Kamara, and the New Orleans Saints are getting more comfortable in their run game, you can be getting a little bit more comfortable in some fantastic socks thanks to Stance. I can't talk these socks up enough. I absolutely love them. I actually just got three more pair. So there's a lot of great stuff that you can catch over at the website over at stance.com. So go and check them out. And you can check out all the fun uh, designs and stuff like that too. I love the office socks. They have some cool Star Wars socks as well. They have a lot of fun designs if you're into that. And then you can check out the NBA and NFL team ones as well if you want to get in on those. And so I'm loving these socks, but they have a bunch of other stuff. They just put out a new athletic line and everything too. So there's a whole bunch to go and check out. So without further ado, make sure you head over to stance.com, check out what they have to offer because Stance believes in the perfect fit more than fitting in. Those who feel good, do good, and so you could just go and see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off of your first order with the promo code locked on at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of life less ordinary with Stance. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at the defense and our final takeaway of our takeaway in Analytics Tuesday. But before we get to that, I want you to hear what Sean Payton had to say about a specific defender, uh, Quan Alexander. It's going to get spoiled anyway, so you should know. Uh, but Quan Alexander, when he was asked about the energy that he brings and what he brings to this team, really high praise for the former LSU Tigers linebacker. Yeah, it, you, you just have to put the film on and you see energy effort um consistently on every play and it's, it's hard to do on defense every play 
and if, if I don't care if you put on play 38, it's going to look the same as play three for him. Um, and it's it, we're a better team with him in the lineup. And, and I'm telling you what, uh, our decision to bring him back was uh, was a fantastic one. One in which you know a lot of people might have said, well, with the, all the injuries he's had, but uh, there, there's sometimes in our business there's an intangible element with somebody, and that exists with Quan. So the New Orleans Saints clearly very pleased with everything they've gotten from Quan Alexander over the course of the last two seasons. Remember, the Saints went out and traded for him last year at the trade deadline, a, a space where they're not usually very active. I mean, you look at their trades in the Sean Payton era, and they're overwhelmingly trades that happen either before the season begins or during the draft, of course, where they trade and move around and mobilize quite a bit. But not a lot of action over at the trade deadline. A lot of almost action, but not usually a lot of action. But Quan Alexander was an exception there. And the Saints actually cut him this offseason, brought him back on a much cheaper deal. He was coming off of that in- injury that he suffered on Christmas Day up against the Minnesota Vikings. He ended up dropping his salary cap or his cap hit by $10 million. And now he's been a player that has just continuously contributed to this team, whether it be from an energy standpoint or from an on-field production standpoint. And there was no exception in that when it came to his performance and as well as several other defensive players' performances up against the New York Jets. Juan Alexander, three pressures in this game, two sacks, one of which kind of given to him or, or bought for him by Marcus Davenport, who was very disruptive in that game. But we'll come back to Marcus Davenport here in a little bit. Um, he also had four defensive stops, Quan Alexander did. He did have one missed tackle, but you'll take that when you're getting all of this production elsewhere. Uh, targeted four times in the passing game, allowed two catches for 25 yards in just a 69.8 uh, passer rating when targeted. So a very nice day uh, for Quan Alexander. We mentioned Marcus Davenport. He also had a huge day. He led all uh, defensive players for the New Orleans Saints and pro football focus grades on the defensive side. Six total pressures in this one, one assisted tackle. So not a lot that really loads up the natural stat sheet, but when you're breaking things down and getting a little bit deeper into the analytics and you're looking at pressure analytics and things like that, you can really see that Marcus Davenport had a huge impact on this game. Um, your next highest graded defender was Marshawn Lattimore, who's continually getting better and better as the season went on, had a little bit of a slump right in the middle of the year. And which really correlated with the Saints losing streak, unsurprisingly. And so now seeing him kind of get back up and playing up to the usual level that we're used to seeing him has been excellent. Targeted five times in this game, had two run stops, but targeted five times in this one, only allowed one catch for 27 yards and a 49.6 pass rating when targeted to go along with two pass breakups as well. So played extremely well. And the corner, young corner, Paul Sinadibo, the rookie out of Stanford playing opposite him, had a nice day as well. He did allow uh, four catches for 38 yards, but he was targeted seven times in this one. So the opposing quarterbacks keep going after the rookie and he keeps standing up and performing pretty well. Didn't give up a touchdown, had a pass breakup, 72.3 pass rating when targeted. It was called for a pass interference penalty, tugging on the jersey a little bit. They're going to get you for that every time, but that's okay. Uh, he had a really, really fantastic game in this one, as did Marcus Williams, the uh, free safety who just continues to take plays away. Had a nice moment where he forced an incompletion. You can't really call it a pass breakup, but crashed down and timed to hit perfectly to jar a ball, make sure that it wasn't caught on a big third down. And then, of course, he came down and made a couple of plays in the run game as well. Uh, ended up with one defensive stop in this one. Defensive stops are a place where the New Orleans Saints really performed well 
in this game, as well as pressures, 19 pressures in this one. Behind Marcus Davenport, you had Quan Alexander with three. You also had Carl Granderson with three and David Onyemata with a pair as well. 19 pressures might not feel like a lot, but considering that they were also playing a little bit of contain and there were some some moments where they kind of went dry over on the, the pass rush side and they weren't able to get through that Jets offensive line. But to still get 19 pressures despite that, still a good performance there to keep the young rookie off kilter, keep him off balance, which in turn keeps the entire Jets offense off balance as well. And the Saints also got their hands on Zach Wilson a little bit. Three sacks, three quarterback hits as well counted separately. So that's a nice half dozen moments for you remind Zach Wilson that he's going to be under pressure in this game. That's enough to impact a young rookie like that. And, you know, we talked about the pass rush. We talked about the the coverage, but I want to circle back around to the run game here. The Saints with 20 defensive stops in this one. Remember, that means either tackles for a loss or tackles creating an insufficient gain for the offense. So think about like a two-yard run, for instance, a, a sub-three-yard, sub-four-yard run. Those would be considered defensive stops. And this Saints run defense was absolutely phenomenal. And that played a big role in the Saints' ability to be able to walk away and win this game. We talked a little bit earlier about complementary football and that the Saints are getting back to that. You look at the New Orleans Saints running back Alvin Kamara. He had 78 rushing yards after, uh, after contact. I mentioned that earlier. The reason why I highlight that is because that was his yardage after contact, which is as, mi- which is as much as what the New York Jets put up as a team in rushing totals in general. 78 total rushing yards for the team, the New York Jets, 78 rushing yards after contact for Alvin Kamara by himself. And he, of course, had 120 rushing yards on his own as well. So you see the complimentary game there between the defense as well as the uh, as well as the running back and the run game and Alvin Kamara. And then Taysom Hill, who, of course, contributes in that run game as well. He had two rushing touchdowns, ran for over 70 yards. He almost ran for as many yards as the uh, New York Jets did as a team as well. The Saints almost had two individual rushers with more rushing yards in the team that they were going up against. So that's what you love to see in this matchup. And I know that it's up against the New York Jets, but it sets the model in terms of what it is that they want to be able to replicate in these games moving forward. And for the Saints who got CJ Gardner-Johnson back this week, they got Marcus Davenport back this week. Hopefully they can get Cam Jordan back sooner rather than later off of COVID IR. Guys like Pete Werner, Caden Ellis as well, that can help to contribute over on the defensive side. You get that defense healthy. You basically have the defense that you intended to have at the beginning of the season. And over on the offensive side, you're looking at getting healthier in that exact role as well in terms of what creates the best complement there, which is the run game. You're hoping to get Ryan Ramchick back, Ty Montgomery back, uh, Mark Ingram back, uh, hopefully maybe at some point Adam Troutman back. And then if you can get Deont- once you can get Deontay Harris back after he's done with his three-game suspension, then all of a sudden you get a little extra dynamic in the passing game, particularly the short passing game as well. So the New Orleans Saints are getting healthier, they're getting better, they're they're getting players back at places where they need to excel in order to be able to complement both sides of the ball. And that's, I think, important for this New Orleans Saints team. They realized something last week. Now they want to remember it, harness it, and be able to channel it into what it is that they do for the rest of this season. So the next test for them is going to be up against Tampa Buccaneers. It's not going to be easy, but hey, in terms of what the New Orleans Saints are trying to build right now, they're building a style of offense that should be able to give Tampa at least some trouble, right? So we'll see if the New Orleans Saints can do that. We're going to break all of this down even further. We got pretty deep into it today. We're going to get even deeper tomorrow with our Film Watch Wednesday, and we'll be joined by one of our friends over from WWL as well for WWL Wednesday, our segment to wrap up the show. So make sure that you don't miss a beat and make us your first listen of the day every day. And thank you so much for doing so. For your second listen today, though, make sure you go and check out your boy Q and handicapping expert, 
over at the Locked On Bets podcast and win yourself some money. For everything else that you need around the New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them and trust you that nation. I'll holla at you. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.